I've got a question for you as we jump into this topic tonight. We're, we're going to be looking at two things over the next, the, as we wrap up NYA, we're going to be looking at a theology of. And so tonight we're going to be looking at the question of a theology of creation. And next NYA, we're going to be looking at a theology of worship. And as we talk about a theology of creation, I just want to ask this question. Is there, is there anyone in your life that you have been excited to meet? Is there, is there anyone in your life that you are totally a groupie, like you would totally have them, you know, sign your shirt, right? Like you, you, would, you just are giddy to meet that individual. I was asking uh, Tessa, I asked Tessa this week, I said, Tessa, who would you want to meet? Like, who, who, who have you met that you were just geeked out, like, nervous to meet? And she said, well, that was easy. She said it was uh, Mumford and Sons that she met. She's like, I was super nervous and giddy, and, like, that was, like, the greatest day of your life, right, Tessa? <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not that far. Uh, yeah, I asked, uh, I asked Gettert uh, who it would be, and he was thinking maybe it would be Coldplay, but you haven't met Coldplay, right? Gettert even here. I love you, Gutter. He's not here. No, you're back there. Yeah, thanks for not saying anything. What a, what a, what a jerk. What a jerk. I asked Daniel, you know, I said, hey, Daniel, you know, who, who would you be, you know, just giddy to meet, you know, who's your hero? Kind of, and he sent me this picture. He said, uh, do we got the picture? You don't have it? Okay. <laughs> It was going to be really funny, trust me. Daniel's like, no, it's you, Andy, definitely, definitely you. And then he said, no, actually, it's your mom because she told me everything about you. He stayed at my mom's house, which was kind of creepy, and took pictures of my stuff there. Like, that's not right. You don't do that. But then, uh, but then it goes, if he said Jesus, right? No, it'd be Jesus. You know, uh, for me, there, there's two people in this world that I have really wanted to meet. The first person was Jim Varney. I would have loved to have met Jim Varney. Does anybody here know who Jim Varney is? He has a name that he goes by in the movies that he made. Nobody? That hurts me a little bit, guys. Uh, Ernest, all right? I have been a huge fan of Ernest, and my favorite movie is Ernest Saves Christmas. Like, I geek out on that movie. I just find that guy so funny, but sadly he died, so I never had a chance to meet him. But the person that I really wanted to meet, and I did have the chance to meet, and probably the only person that I was like nervous, excited to meet, was, uh, was Dr. William Lane Craig. I remember being in his class. I was, I was taking a class in my master's degree, and, uh, and I remember I came into class, and I sat in the front row, and, and I just waited there like a half hour before, you know, just giddily. I had a whole stack of his books, too. I'm like, can you sign these? Like, super nerdy, right? I was so excited to meet him. It was interesting, too, because this class was, uh, was a class in which they only allowed 15 students to take this class. And I wasn't one of those students, right? <laughs> I just showed up, and I figured, you know what, I'm going to audit this class, and this was a really interesting class. For those of you who don't know who Dr. Craig is, he's probably the greatest debater alive today, if not one of the greatest. And, and each year they do the smartest people things. He's always nominated as one of the smartest people alive today. He's, he's a brilliant man, but he's a man who deeply and profoundly loves Jesus. And, and I've always been inspired from him. So Biola was having a class on how to debate 
It was, a, it was a class on debate and logic with Dr. Craig. And they only allowed 15 students to take the class because you had to debate each other. And Dr. Craig was going to watch you debate, and then he was going to critique you on how you did. And, uh, and so there was a part of me that was almost glad that I wasn't taking the class because that sounded terrifying. <laughs> but as I'm waiting for the class to start, this lady comes in, and she starts taking roll call. And she gets to all 14 people and then starts asking about this 15th person and nobody's answering. And she goes, well, I guess you're only going to have 14 people. And then this voice inside me, right, that's like, you could take that spot, Andy. And I'm like, yes, I could. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, can I take, you know, the 15th spot? And this lady's like, yeah, yeah, you can take it. So I ended up taking this class in which I had to debate this topic in front of Dr. Craig and get critiqued by him. And, and as soon as we, they, you know, I remember when he said, listen, you need to pick a topic that you're passionate about. And that's the topic that you're going to research all semester long and you're going you're to debate at the end. And for me, I remember that I, I knew immediately the, the topic that I would choose because it's a topic that I've, I've wrestled with a lot. Now, I'm going to get into that in a moment. If I do, this is just a side note for some of you that might find this interesting. The, that class went really well and my debate went so well that I got invited to do radio in Los Angeles and started doing radio there. And that's what led to apologetics and that ultimately led to me starting Apologetics Canada. It was very interesting. I was there to become a missionary and it was interesting to see what God did through a class to lead me back to Canada to start Apologetics Canada. So that's just a little side note of how that all happened. But back to the story. What, what would be the topic that I would choose? What was, what was I passionate about? What would I, you know, get up there and I'm going to research and argue for? And, and again, for me, that was easy because in my life, there has been a, a topic that I have spent a lot of time thinking about. I, and that is a theology of creation. But the truth is, I have not had a good theology of creation most of my life. Now, interestingly enough, when I became a Christian, I already believed that God existed. For me, uh, becoming a Christian was never about does God exist. I grew up in a broken family in which, you know, my family didn't go to church, right? It was a a broken family, but my, my mom became a Christian, she started going to church. For me, I'd always believed that God existed. That was never a question for me. As I look around the world and I just see everything, everything just screams to me, hey, I exist, Right? But the bigger question for me wasn't whether or not God existed, was whether or not I wanted to know this God, was whether or not I, I wanted to bow my knee to this God. That, that, was, that was the question for me that I avoided for a long time in my life. Now, interestingly enough, I remember becoming a Christian, and it was when I became a Christian that I started struggling with the, the question of God's existence. Isn't that, isn't that weird? And do you know how I started struggling with it? As soon as I started going to church, as soon as I started getting into this church culture, I started um, getting this false understanding of a theology of creation in which these dilemmas were being brought to me. And, and what I want to do is, is, is we go into God's word tonight. I want to I I show you two of the dilemmas that I, that I had to face as a Christian, that I've, uh, that I've faced. And really, I began to think more critically about when I did that debate um, in that class. I started to think more about it, a, a topic that had become so passionate to me, this idea of creation. Now, what I want to do tonight as we open up God's word, we're going to be opening up Genesis. Uh, 
I want to look at <clears throat> two things. I want to look at creation of the universe, and I want to look at creation of life. And I want to look at the Bible and see what does the Bible have to say about these two things? What can we learn? But more, more one of the things I want to point out is what are the dilemmas that we tend to find, particularly false dilemmas that we tend to buy into. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me. We are in Genesis chapter 1. Super easy, verse 1. <laughs> right at the very beginning of the Bible, how does the Bible begin? The Bible begins with this powerful statement that has profoundly challenged us as the human race. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is a profound idea. In the beginning, the Bible's saying, in the beginning, there was God. Notice, in the beginning, there wasn't the universe. In the beginning, there was God, and God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything that there is. Now, this is, this is a controversial idea. Throughout history, um, most people had bought into an Aristotelian understanding of the universe that was proposed by Aristotle, and that was that it was a, very, a Greek idea that the universe was eternal. It had always been here. And this, this was weird, these Christians who believed that the universe wasn't eternal and that the universe was created. And it really wasn't until like 100 years ago or so that we started going, wow, there's actually something to the Bible's idea that the universe had a beginning. And this had profound philosophical implications that Dr. William Lane Craig uh, has teased out in something called the Kalam Cosmological Argument, which I have always been a big fan of. For those of you that geek out on that kind of stuff, you know that the, the logic goes like this. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. And this, that's, a, that's a profound idea. Now I gotta press pause on that for a moment because I gotta tell you just quickly why I love William Lane Craig so much, all right? <laughs> I gotta tell you why I geek out, why he signed all my books, all right? <laughs> When I was taken in class with him, he would start each class by just giving you some words of wisdom before we would jump into things. And I'll never forget this. He said, uh, he, said when, he, he has two PhDs, one in philosophy, one in theology. And with both PhDs, uh, he never bought a book. He never bought a single book. He said, listen, he goes, I wanted to be a good steward of God's money, so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't buying books so that I could give that money to the church. He goes, so my wife and I purposely lived next to a library so that I could do my PhD and I could honor God with my finances. Are you kidding me? Like, I privilege, I, like, I pride myself on buying books. Like, I bathe in books, all right? Like, my books are my children, right? I wish my books could come together and have more books. Like, I would encourage that, all right? <laughs> Too far. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. Man, he, he loves the Lord, but he thinks deeply. And this idea of the universe having a, a beginning is, is a significant idea. It, it, tell, it tells us some things. It tells us that that God, now think about this, the universe has a cause, right? The universe began to exist, 
Therefore, the universe has a cause. God, on the other hand, did not begin to exist. God is eternal. God doesn't have a birthday. Therefore, he doesn't need a cause. He is eternal. And he is the one who brought everything into being. That means then that there once was a time that there was God and there wasn't this material world that we know, but that he created it. Now, what's significant here that I want to highlight is that when we read the Bible, in particular when we read Genesis, a book that honestly has been so controversial, especially lately, one of the things that we often do is we, we, we tend to miss the point. Listen, there, there are two key ideas that the Bible wants to get across when we read and understand the theology of creation. And it's this. There's two main questions that we should be asking ourselves. Who and why? But notice what the Bible wants to get across to you. Who created the universe? Who created everything, right? It's at the very beginning, and it's at the very beginning because this is incredibly important for us to understand. God did it. God created the universe. He is the one responsible for it all. I one time had an interesting conversation with my son about this. He understood this idea that God created the universe, but he had a difficult time understanding that God wasn't the universe, And I remember we were having this conversation and he jumped off of his bunk bed and he goes, listen, dad, you don't understand. And he started going around his room and he he touched his bed and he's like, dad, that's God. And then he went and touched it and he's like, this is God. He goes, everything is God, dad. And I'm like, okay, son. I I remember he was was young, right? And and this idea, you know, God God made it, but this idea that was God it. And it was interesting because there was a piece of furniture in his room that I had made. Uh, and I, I had made it for him when, he was, when my boys were smaller and he had a brother that was still small enough that we used this changing table that I'd made. And I remember I pointed over to it and I said, Tristan, I go, who made that? And he goes, you did, Dad. And I go, am I, am I that change table? And you could see the wheels turning. You know? <laughs> no. No, you're not. You know, and, and I'm like, am I in that change table? And he's like, wow. You know, no, you're not. Like, you know, it's this, this theology of creation, right? Like starting to understand that there's, there's a difference between the person and the things that that person has made. And that there is God who created the universe and he stands outside of the universe. Yet, God interacts with it. Now, here's what gets interesting, though. Here's the dilemma. Here's the first dilemma that I want to pose to you. And the dilemma is this. Now, now stick with me here because I, I don't want you to get trapped up in the same stuff I did for years. And that is, is that we tend to confuse the most important question of Genesis, who, with an interesting question, how. We tend to confuse the most important question, who, with an interesting question, How did God do it? How did God create the universe? That's not the key. In fact, when we read through here, we start to read how God, you know, we start to see this this list of what God created, and and we can read through there, right? Right? As, As God says, 
Now the heavens was, was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the water and God said, let there be light. And, and we see that God is creating the whole time keeping focus that the key is who is doing it, that God is doing it and that, that creation, now this is critical to understand, that creation is an act of intention, that there's a reason why God is creating And this gets into the second most important question. Why? Who did it and why did they do it? Not how did they do it. How it was done is an interesting question. Now let me just pause there for a moment because when we think about how it was done, there tends to be three main ideas that we get taught, that gets talked about in Christianity. There is creationism, And that is this idea that God created the universe and that the universe is young, about 10,000 years old. And and so when when we learn about that, I have friends that, that believe that. They believe that the universe is young and they'll give me reasons why they believe that. They'll talk about things like, the amount of dust there is on the moon. They'll talk about how, how salty the ocean is. They'll talk about challenges that we have with dating things. I'm, I'm well-versed in those arguments because I spent years of my life in them because I had believed a dilemma. And the dilemma that I had bought into was this idea that, that how questions were the foundation of your faith. And that if you could disprove that the universe was young, then Christianity was false. And so what I had was a faith that was built on this idea that I had to argue for a young universe or else my faith was false and I needed to give up on it. The third one, sorry, the second one that that people tend to hold is intelligent design. Intelligent design tends to say, listen, God did it, and that's what's key to understand, but tends not to tease it out a whole lot, but makes sure to keep that key idea of who in focus. And then the, uh, what what did I just say there? (laughs) No, no, what did I say that second one was though? Yeah, I'm sorry, I just skipped over so that's actually going to be for my second point. Okay. I, they, they get intertwined. So you have, an old, you have a young, you have creationism, which is the young universe. Then you have the second one, which is an old universe. And so I have friends that believe that the universe is young, and I have friends that believe that the universe is old. And, and evidence that we'll often hear for an old universe is starlight. And, and look how... Uh, the big the universe is, we know how fast it takes light to travel, and given the distances of things, we know that the universe is old. And so then an old universe gets talked about. And the third one there is called apparent age. And the one there is, is that the universe is young, but it looks old. And so those are kind of the three that, that get talked about. And I've got to tell you, I can't tell you the number of times with Apologetics Canada how I've been asked to go speak at a conference or a church and I will get up there and I will tell people about the gospel and about how wonderful Jesus is and what he has done to save you know, them from sin and, the, and, the, and the, how much he loves them. And I, and I just go on and on, right? 
how great Jesus is, the gospel, salvation. And at the end of that talk, people will come up to me and they'll be like, oh, that was all nice and everything, Andy. But how old do you think the earth is? And I'm like, I wasn't even talking anything about that question, right? I don't know if they think it's young, old, or, or parent age. I, I have no idea, right? But what I do know is that they have made a how question the major question, so much so that depending upon which I fit into of the categories that they have made a minor, major issue because they built their faith on this, is dependent upon whether or not they're going to see me as a brother of Christ or not. So here's what I want to do. I just, want to, I just want to explain to you, that is a false dilemma. God, let me, just, let me just help you out here, okay? God is God, and he can create the universe any old way he wants to. He can do it really, really quickly. He can take a really long time to get He can do whatever he wants. I'm quite okay with God having created the universe in six seconds or six billion years. I really don't care. The, the thing that I'm key on is who did it And why did he do it? This is the point of Genesis that keeps driving at. And we need to be careful that we don't mix that up. And so why is God doing it? Well, we see this. Genesis 1 gives you a creation account, and so does Genesis 2. And I I love how in Genesis 2 we read, in verse 7, that the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. What we see is, is that God has a purpose. He has an intention in what he is creating. And we see this come as, as God creates humanity. That God creates people. Think about that. Why did God create the universe? For you. God created the sun for you. God created the ocean for you. His intention in creating, of bringing this into being, is you. You are the center of the universe. You are the center of his plan. You are why God created. I mean, that's amazing. God God created for you. And this should get us thinking. And you can start already understanding why it's so important that we keep who and why, and center focus. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that you shouldn't have fun going and exploring those interesting questions like how. Have fun doing that. Just don't, conf- just don't confuse the hierarchy because when you do, it's gonna lead you into some danger. You know, one of the ways that it's led the church into danger, a lot of us today have no idea how to understand what science is, for example. A, a, a lot of us, by the way, some of you might know, I'm a third-year PhD student at Aberdeen, and I've been thinking and writing a lot about these topics. I wish I had four hours tonight to tell you all of my thoughts, right? But because I, I, I tell you, as I look into a theology of creation, I, my faith just, just explodes with excitement of who God is and why he did it. More than that, it helps us to understand the universe. See, there's a lot of us that get confused, and we think that natural and supernatural are actual two distinctions, Listen, all that there is, is is what God has created. There's just the world. This idea of natural and supernatural quite get, quite, get quite humorous, by the way. Because supernatural would be anything other than the natural. But that would include all sorts of things like love. 
There's nothing natural about love unless you want to look at love as just chemical reactions. And in that case, I have, you know, certain chemical reactions for Nancy, right? But you're like, no, I think more is going on there. Yeah, well, do you think that's supernatural? Well, well, now we start going, well, what do you mean by supernatural? What about things like meaning or purpose? But let me break it down even more because some of you are in the sciences and I just want to really get down to some nitty gritty here, okay, that I think are some are ideas that can help you out in your university studies. There is a difference between pure science and applied science. Now, I opened up the paper today, and in the paper, uh, some parents paid to get this big ad of their son that just graduated from university, right? And it said, what, what was his degree? His degree was in applied science-civil. So what is that? Engineering, right? Now, uh, just think about that for a second. What's pure science? Pure science is things like physics. It's the, it's the particles. It's the dust of the earth. And it's those particles. It's those particulars that are following physical laws. That, that's, that's pure science. But listen, there's a difference between pure science and applied science. Applied science is like engineering. And those of you that are going off into engineering, what are you doing? You're taking the stuff of the earth like the dust, and you're, you're applying your own rules and laws to it for a purpose, to achieve your own aims, like building a road or a bridge. Now, if you're going to play with those ideas of natural and supernatural, applied science is supernatural on that. Are you tracking with me? Because that's not natural. Organization's not natural. But this, this speaks to something profound. That why questions, questions of meaning and purpose, speak to the very essence of who and what we are. That we are more than just the parts that make us up, but we are the purposeful arrangement of those parts. That's significant. So now look at what, what happens when we come back to the, to, the, to the word. And so we've looked at the universe, and we've seen that God created the universe to create life. But now, now what, what's God doing with creating life? And we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that as God is creating the, the universe and he's leading up to this pinnacle moment, we read, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth. And over all the creatures that move along the ground, God gave us dominion over what he has created because he created it for you. Now, now this is significant in the Hebrew if you want to put an exclamation point on something. If you want to, if you want to show what the key idea is, you, you say it twice. And we read in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God created the universe to create life. God created humanity for the purpose of being in relationship with God and being in relationship with each other. You've heard me talk a lot about that. And the reason I talk a lot about that is because that who question leads into that why question and these are the key ideas that we need to get straight. This is the topic that I debated it with, at, in my class with Dr. William Lane Craig and, and against a fellow student, was on the question of interest here. Not who, 
not why, but how. Because I had made the how question the most important question when I became a Christian. Because when I became a Christian, I bought into this idea that if, that if somebody could show that evolution was true, that Christianity was false. And so I fought desperately against those ideas about, against evolution because my faith was founded on that. Absolutely founded on it. And I felt in many ways that my faith was, went like this. Sometimes I had good evidence, sometimes bad, sometimes good, sometimes, and my faith just went like this. An absolute false dilemma. What's the key? Who did it? What's the key? Why he did it? What's an interesting question? How he did it. And what are the three you know, main ideas that we see under the how God did it? We tend to see creationism, which is that God created the universe again in, in six days and that God created life and that he was the active force in, force in creating life. The, the second one is intelligent design. It's, it's that idea that God is the, the key player in that and that God is the one that's driving it. And then the, the third is theistic evolution. And the theistic evolution is that God used evolution to do it. But now I want to talk about this for a moment. Uh, again, what, why am I bringing this up? Because I think those are interesting. And, and I want to encourage you, if, that, if you find that of interest, have at it. But don't make those the major issue because they're going to confuse you. Now that's not to say that understanding our theology in that isn't important. Whether or not Adam and Eve existed, that's important. What, what, like, whether or not the, the Bible is telling you actual true history, that's important. Those are, those are important questions that are mixed in with this. But listen, God is God. If God, again, wanted to create humanity in six days as we fully are formed, God can do that. God could have made the universe yesterday. I can't disprove or prove that, right? I, I really, I can't. Philosophically, I, I, I got nothing there. God could have made everything just as it is if he wanted to do that. God could have created the universe, again, really old, and could have used evolution to create humanity. That's God's choice how he wants to do it. And it's an interesting question. Now, I do want to pose a, a, a potential problem, though, with regards to theistic evolution that has to be thought about. And that is, is that as I've gone to different scholarly events and heard theistic evolutionists give their understanding, those of you that know how neo-Darwinism works, it works off of random mutation over time. That's problematic because that's the who. Random mutation. That's, that is a random universe. That's like God throwing a bunch of parts together and going, well, I hope it forms humanity, and if it does, I'll make them in my image right? Well, that's problematic, right? Because who and why are, the, are important questions. They're the key idea that God is creating it and that he's purposefully creating it. So for me, um, some of you might be wondering, well, Andy, where have you landed on all these things? Well, the first thing that I've done is I've gotten rid of that and I've built my foundation on who and why. And then I can let those how questions sit over here and I can have fun discussing those and debating those without, uh, without freaking out 
without allowing my faith to get absolutely destroyed or without me feeling like I have to attack another person because they're eroding my foundation of faith. You tracking with me? This is, this is, I'm finding that this is a key thing for a lot of us to do. I, I need to understand. Now listen, as I just wrap up here, if you're wondering, well, Andy, where do you, where do you stand on all this? Then? Okay, I understand you're not making it your foundation. You're wanting to keep God in focus and why he did it. You know, where do you, where do you stand on all that? Well, I've kind of been all over the place, you know? Like I said, I have friends who believe all, all of these. I have friends that are creationists, they're young and old earth people. I, I don't have any friends that are parent age, but I'd still be friends with them, right? I have friends that are creationists, and I have friends that are intelligent design people, and I have friends that are theistic evolutionists. I, I have friends that are on all of those camps. Where I tend to fall into currently, although I'm open, is uh, with regards to the age of the earth, I tend to lean towards an old universe, uh, and with regards to creationism, intelligent design, and theistic evolution, I tend to fall in the middle with intelligent design and, and, and tracking where things are going. The, the one thing I will say on this issue, though, of evolution and that might be of interest to some of you, uh, I, I personally think that microevolution, small change over time, is a no-brainer. Pretty much everybody agrees with that. The, the thing that I have trouble with is macroevolution. Now, listen, I personally have a problem with macroevolution, but I don't have it, that problem for theological reasons. Uh, as I've looked at the science of it, I, I see glaring problems in, in macroevolution. If I could just speak to you scientists too for a moment here, those of you in university, uh, one of the things I have found very fascinating is being a PhD student is one of the things that my, my advisors make me do is I have to survey everything, all right? Like literally everything. And one of the things that you've got to be so skeptical of in university is if you have a professor that's giving you one track and he's hitting one track as though there's no other, there's no other arguments anywhere else and that that is the key, you've got to be skeptical right away. Because I'm telling you, as I, as I research things and I see, I see that there are a variety of opinions all over the place. And, and I think that that's important for us to understand when we're looking at these interesting how questions. That they're going to take time to flesh out. I think it's easy for us to fall into a God of the gaps, and I also think it's easy for us to fall into a th- atheism of the gaps. I remember there was a while there that atheists were just ringing the horn on junk DNA. And now these days, you, you don't hear anything about junk DNA. Well, we found out that it wasn't junk anymore, right? And, and it's just like, well, maybe we got to have a little more humility, Maybe we got to do a little bit more research. Maybe we actually need to understand science better. Maybe we need to realize that this universe is more than just the material stuff and that there is a who and that there is a why and that these are incredibly important questions as we look at these issues. So as I look at those issues, I, I, I haven't seen evidence that persuades me towards, uh, towards an evolutionary model. Again, I would be open to that. The thing, though, that I just would caution those of you that are interested in the theistic evolution and, and as, you, as you look into that, which by all means, have at it, is, is just what, what's, the, what's the why and the who question? What's, who, who did it and why? Because if it, again, if it's just random chance, that, that's, that's a different universe than the Bible talks about. The, the, this universe is not random. This universe is not determined. This universe was created. It was created by a personal God who created you in his image as a person. 
that needs and will flourish when you're in relationship with God and when you're in relationship with one another. Please get your who and your why questions down and have fun exploring how God did it. Amen? And as you do that, make sure that you keep the Bible before you, right? What, what, what does the Bible say? What, what is orthodoxy? What is the playground that we play in? Let me pray for us. God, tonight as, as we've just looked at your word, look at some controversial subjects here, Jesus. Subjects that for many of us have been earth-shaking with regards to our faith. And God, I I just pray that you'd be working in each one of us, that that you'd be working in these false dilemmas that that we pose that we often create and we think, oh man, it's, it's about how. And oftentimes we get so fixated on it, God, that we lose sight of you and your good purposes. God, would you keep us attentive to who you are and why you created? Would we, would we, would we get those things right? And God, as we, as we get interested in those how questions and as we do our science and our philosophy and our history and we study those, God, would you help us to do so in a way that is honoring to you, a way that is, that is humble, a way that is truthful? God, a way that is, is theologically correct, that, that respects your word? God, we want to know truth, and, and we want to know it in a way that builds our foundation, that, that develops a solid faith and not destroys it. So God, I ask that you would help us to do that in your power and to your name. Amen.